Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Guys, we've been talking about a lot this year of what it looks like to live um, like Jesus is greater. And I think sometimes we talk about this idea and we, we leave a Sunday and go, yep, yep, I'm going to do this. But um, the reality is it's really hard. Uh, living for Jesus, if you're living for Jesus, is the most difficult thing that you'll ever do. And so my question um, that I'm going to start with this morning is, why can't it be easier? Why can't it be easier to follow Jesus? Jesus himself in Matthew 7 said, hard is the way that leads to life. And I think some of the lie that we've been given is that if you obey and if you listen and if you dedicate your life to Jesus, everything's going to be easy. And that is not true. And if you've grown up in a denomination or a church that said that, they've lied to you. And the reason why part of your life has been miserable because you've been living to an expectation that Jesus didn't give you. And so every time something happens, we think to ourselves, what have I done wrong? What's going on? Why does God hate me? When the reality is, is God loves you. And God is interested not in you being comfortable and not in your life being easy. God is interested in shaping you to be like him, period. And, and here's a promise. He'll do whatever he has to to get you there, period. And if you haven't experienced this hardness of the Christian life, you may want to ask yourself, which way are you going? The other side of that statement is, is, easy is the way that leads to destruction. Wide is the road and many are on it. But hard is the way that leads to life. And he's not made it difficult. He's inviting people over and over again. And he's inviting broken people that have messed up over and over and over again. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 10, I think it's in 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We're called to know, hear, and obey. Why? Because it's going to make our life more difficult? No. We're called to know, hear, and obey because it is what leads us to the abundant life that is promised to us by Jesus. And Jesus is inviting us onto this journey all the time, even when we get off the path. So what do we do when it gets too much? How do we press on and keep moving forward? Well, the first letter of Peter, uh, 1 Peter, uh, the end of that, which is where we're going to be in 1 Peter 5, um, his first letter to Asia Minor is going to answer some of these questions. So let's pray. Jesus, there are people in this room that are struggling <laughs> to believe, struggling to do the right thing, struggling and wondering where you're at. 
And Lord, we need to encourage this, mor- 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 this morning. We, we don't need you to make our life easier. We need you to clarify the path and clarify the reason for why we're going to continue to follow and obey regardless. So Lord, I pray that your word in First Peter this morning would speak to our heart, that would encourage us, that would get us to stand firm against this tidal wave um, that this world is pushing in our direction. Or the undertow is difficult. Um, but Lord, we know that you're there with us. So Lord, give us vision today. Give us purpose today. Give us a willing heart to humble ourselves to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So first Peter was commissioned by Peter, but written by a co-worker. This was a circular letter that was written to the churches of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. A circular letter means that it was meant to be circulated around the churches that were in the area. So it was a letter sent to encourage them. First Peter was written to non-Jews living in an area where Greeks and Romans persecuted them mercilessly. This letter was meant to encourage and strengthen the church to trust and live for Jesus. Peter let them know that they were now, and this is important specifically to the Gentiles, that they were now part of God's family, which was not option before Jesus. He also lets them know that they are the new temple. They are. And he also let them know that they are now the kingdom of priests. This is what he's writing to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, in an area where they're trying to live out their faith because churches have been planted. The gospel is moving people or giving their lives to Jesus, and it is not easy. The culture is against them. You know, I think sometimes we think, man, it would be easier in another era. No. No. There was always a storm against the church. They lived in a very, very uh, I would, secular, partially, and very um, idol-oriented culture. They had other God. I mean, in Peter, he goes through all of the, from the slave to how wives and all of these underprivileged people were to act in response to the gospel to the wave of brutality that was coming. How do they stand against this? Peter ends his letter um, exhorting the elders, and I, 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 one of them's not here this morning, but can our elders stand up? You may not know this, but uh, Reach Community Church is led by a group of elders, Terry Mc, McDowell, McDowell, I can't even say his last name, um, Chris Hamilton, um, and Don, gosh, Bernard, <laughs> and Greg Bradshaw is not here. Yeah, I'm having a senior moment. Uh, But these men have given their life to pray for this church, disciple and train this church and encourage this church. And you may not know that they're even here. So I I wanted you to know that there's men in this church that are giving their life to make this church better. This is not just me. Every decision, every penny that we spend, not every penny, but every big penny that we spend in this church is agreed upon and decided by this group of people. 
So Peter, Peter is starting with the leaders, which this isn't really what I want to go, but I, I don't want to give you the second part of what I really want to teach you this morning without the beginning part of it, which is he's exhorting the leaders because if, if God's going to shape and mold a community, he's got to have leaders to do so. So it starts in uh, verse 1, chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Leading other people is difficult. You know why? Because they're people. You know what? This group of, of, of men that I just had stand up here, one missing Greg, um, they're just people too. I think almost every single one of them at some point during their time of being an elder going, I don't know if I should be an elder. Not because they've done some horrible thing, but like this is a, a great um, role to have and a very um, weight-filled goal to have. And honestly, I, I couldn't be more glad. I'm, I'm more afraid for the person that walks up to me and tells me that they need to be an elder at the church than someone who reluctantly chooses to lead. From that position. And I would say uh, every one of our elders um, are living examples of what we're trying to create in people. Not perfect examples, but living examples of what we're calling others to be. Verse 5. So that, that was to the leaders. And now he's going to start talking to everyone else. Verse 5, likewise, you who are younger. And let me make sure that we understand what this means. Okay? Because some of you are like, well, I'm old enough that I'm not in that list. No. Younger means less mature. Doesn't matter how old you are. If you just met Jesus yesterday and you're 85 years old, you are younger than those that are leading you. Because hopefully the ones that are leading you have been loving Jesus, following Jesus for a period of time. So we're submitting and surrendering, not because of our age. We're submitting and surrendering because of our maturity levels. Someone's just thought, I am not immature. Okay. I'm not judging anyone here. Calm down. Calm down. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Listen to this. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, we've we got to start here. Like, if we're going to have, you know, you've got to have good leaders that are going to lead people in the right direction. But then you've got to have the people who say they love Jesus, humble with one another. You know, you know how most churches um, become new churches? They split. Because we don't humble ourselves, we get frustrated with somebody. Instead of doing something about it, we get angry and do something else. Look, if, if we're going to be, I'm telling you, do you know how many different opinions there are in this room? A lot. 
Okay? We understand that? Do you understand that there's going to be things that, based on knowledge in our time in life, that we may agree or disagree on? Understood? Politics, Roe versus Wade, there's lots of things in our world right now that could divide us. And he's saying, humble ourselves. He's not saying, don't correct the wrong. Don't point out like this is a dangerous philosophy or ideology or or theological position. He's saying, doing it with humility. I think we want to be more like Christian assassins than we want to be disciples. We want to tell people wrong. Wrong. I'm telling you what, this is one of the reasons, and I know I say it a lot, this is one of the reasons I got on Facebook. Because I... uh, confessions i am a judgmental person not normally out of my mouth but inside like i'll look at something like oh that's wrong Mm -mm -mm." i don't ever i would never partly because i'm a horrible writer and i don't spell very well and my grammars you know i can't even remember people that i've known and served with their last names in this moment I would never write something in a rebuttal or like, oh, you're blah, blah, blah. But inside, I just couldn't deal with that. And I hate that about me. I hate that my first thought isn't, this is a person made in the image of God that has the potential to know, hear, and obey Jesus. Because we, at one point, were that person. Clothe yourself. This isn't just, I think sometimes when we talk about humility, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm humble. Mm-mm. I, I doubt, I, let me, let's, just, let's just all confess this. No one in this room has perfected humility. Because the moment you think you've perfected it, you've lost your humility. I mean, you just have. Like, yes, I am, I am the most humble. Dig on it. We're not. It's something we deal with. But the problem is we don't we have to clothe ourselves. We can't just talk about it. We can't just read books about it. We have to do things that show our humility, which is hard because the only way we're truly going to have humility, because there's a a false humility for those that have been around the church long enough that we're going to seem humble. The only way that we can truly walk out humility is submit and surrender to Jesus over and over and over and over again. Because he's our king. And the only way that we can live in that world where humility sometimes has us washing other people's feet, serving people that don't deserve it, being kind to a boss that does not deserve our kindness, is because we've surrendered to the one who's called us to be humble. And he lived. I mean, if you want to see humility, read the Gospels. Absolute power corrupts people. And Jesus had the most absolute power anyone has ever had living, breathing on this planet. And he took it. He allowed his creation to abuse him, to hit him. He allowed people to talk to his face and belittle him. He allowed, as he was going to the grave, and they're like, defend yourself. He's like, if I wanted out of this, I could call legions of angels and walk out. But he didn't. And if you need a stronger reason to walk in humility, it ended in that verse. God opposes the proud. Do you hear that? 
So some of our issues inside of us is God's opposing this pride that we have, not because he hates us, not because he wants to destroy us. He wants to save us from ourselves. Verse 6, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Okay, let's talk about the proper time. Because I think some of us are like, I got three more days, Jesus. Got three more days. If you don't like exalt this, if you don't fix this, I'm out. At the proper time, maybe in your next life in eternity. He's going to say this again a little bit later. Look, our, our suffering doesn't have an expiration date. As long as you live and breathe in this world that we are in right now, there will be suffering. Even if your life is pretty good, at some point, we're going to die. And most of our deaths aren't amazing. Whether it is in a moment of a, of a car accident or whether it's at 80 years old or 90 years old or 100 years old, it's painful. There's suffering that's going to come. But here's the truth that we do know. One is that how is it going to be accomplished? God's mighty hand. And at the proper time, he'll exalt you. And you're like, well, you're waiting, you're waiting. And if you never experience it here we still get to know that God's a promise keeper. He is going to exalt you at the right time. Some of it is going to be in your lifetime. Some of it will be little victories that you get to see God as you faithfully and humbly walk out this life. He's going to set you free. And, and look what he gives us in the next verse. In verse 7 it says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm telling you, humble yourself there before the mighty... During that process of humility, during that place of laying down your life, you better be casting your anxieties on him or you're going to go crazy. Because he cares for you. Look, look at this in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He didn't say he's going to fix it. When you cast your anxiety on him, it doesn't mean that he's going to remove the anxiety. It just means over and over again, you're going to go, God, you're the one. And why is he the one? Because he cares. Some of us need to write that somewhere that you see it all the time because you don't feel like he cares for you because he's not doing the thing that you want him to do. Reading a book the other day and... He said that if God answered all our prayers, he would remove all the things that he's trying to do to make you into the man or woman he's designed you to be. We want freedom from the things that God is actively doing in our lives to make you into the person that you want to be. Verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. I'm going to introduce the devil in just a second. Be sober-minded and watchful. What do we normally do with our anxiety? If we're going to be honest, most of the time it's not casting our anxiety to the Lord. Most of the time it's don't be anxious about anything. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. We're not doing those things. What do we normally do with our anxiety? We drink. 
We do drugs, prescribed or otherwise. We settle in for distractions like TV and social media. That, that's my drug of choice. You know, like if I'm anxious, I will just disappear into an episode of something. Let's be honest. Into things. Remember, Jesus also said that um, when he was talking about the casting of the, um, the seeds and the four different types of soils, one of them, the, the, the vines came up and choked them out because of the deceitfulness of riches. Some of us... We're casting our anxiety by working harder and making more money because we think that that money is going to fix our problems. And it's not. I mean, do some research. I think that there's a higher case of suicide. There's a higher case of depression in large producers. Money. More money, more problems. Anybody? No. Okay, so why do we need to be sober-minded? Why do we need to be intentionally sober-minded and be watchful? Because if we're not, then we're going to lower our guard. If you're looking for alcohol to fix your issues, what does alcohol do? How many great decisions have been made on alcohol? And I'm not, this isn't a place that's like, you know, alcohol is not the devil, but it could be the devil for you. What about other, you know, drugs or TV or other things? Whatever your thing is, when you get anxious, some of it's lust and sex. And we, we think, you know, like this thing, I'll pursue this and it'll make me happy. It'll make me satisfied. It absolutely will not. And we're dumb enough. I include me in this. That even though we'll go to it and realize it won't satisfy us, we'll continue going to that same place. I think it's in Proverbs. It's like like a, a dog returns to his vomit. Have you ever seen my dog throws up sometimes? Like it's whole pieces of food. I don't think he ever chews anything. And you know what he does if you don't take him away from it right there? It's gross, isn't it? But you know what you do every day? Every day is you go back to your own vomit. Maybe it'll be better this time. It's what, I mean, I know that's gross. I know you're like, but that's the truth. We, we, we will, in moments of clarity, we'll go like, I am not going to do that again. I know where it leads. And then the next week, the next day, we're like, so why do we need to be sober-minded? Here, here's why. Continue on in verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you're not watching, if you're not sober-minded, if you're not set in this reality that we're at war, then you'll lower your guard and he will take a little bit from you at a time. He may, be, he may not be able to rob you from the Father's hand, but he may be able to distract you from the purpose that he's made you for. Listen to this in John 10.10. It says, the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, talking about Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Ephesians 6.2. I think we need to understand this. (laughs) 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Most of your war with other people, including your spouse, is spiritual warfare. And I'm not blaming on the devil like, oh, the devil just got a hold of my spouse. I'm talking about you need to understand that it's something bigger than just this argument going on. Because you know what, he, 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 what he'll love to do? The devil loves to distract you. Because I, I believe every single person in this room, God has given you a purpose. He, he, he birthed you into this world for a destiny for him. And Satan wants to rob that from you. And, and you know, it's, it's destructive to you personally, but it's devastating to other people. Because they don't get to hear what God's intending to do with you. They don't get to see it. So we have to be watchful. We have to be sober-minded. And so what do we do with the devil? I think sometimes we think, like, I got this. I'm about, I'm about to go box the devil. Look, if you ain't got Jesus in the ring with you, there ain't no boxing the devil. He is smarter than you. He is stronger than you. He will destroy you because that's his purpose. We're not, we're not called to fight. When Jesus was confronted with Satan uh, during the temptation after the 40 days of fasting, I'm going to just tell you, if I fast for 40 days... If somebody says, yes, I'll make that bread. What kind do you want? Um, But what did Jesus do when when Satan tried to tell him something, that he can do this, he can cheat, he can lessen this, you don't have to go to the cross, you can do this. He just says, it is written. He could have, by the will of his being, say away. I mean, he could have. We see it in the little comic books where, you know, like, you just throw them into whatever, but he didn't because he knew that we didn't have the capacity to do that. So he showed us what we can do. It is written, this is who I am. It's one of the reasons why, when I said earlier, know, hear, and obey, you cannot obey or hear someone that you don't know. I literally, this week, I, I, I don't know why I got in this tangent. I'm going to, I do stickers sometimes. Um, yeah, I got a cricket. I'm a man. Okay. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm literally, I have a closet office. <laughs> Don't judge me. Uh, I have a closet office in my house that I've erected during COVID. It's 37 inches wide. It's underneath the stairwell. It's like literally, it's just, it's amazing. It's like my little place, but I have to walk into it and there's a little piece of uh, real estate on the wall going in there that I'm going to put these words real big. No here and obey because that's all he's asking you to do and maybe you're like well i don't hear him and i'm sure not obeying him then start with the no get to know him because that's where our power is verse 9 it says resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world Look, when you think you're alone in the thing that you're suffering with, you're not. You're not. The, the, the greatest work the enemy can do to you, hear this right now, is to keep you fighting it by yourself. The moment 
you have a little transparency with someone that you trust, which is the key component to that, and say, this is what's going on, you'll realize that you're not alone in this. Because the devil would love to whisper in your ear, yep, you did this and you did that and God's, God's withdrawn himself from you. Like, well, maybe yes. We feel that. But I think the more we have conversations with people and realize that the struggle is universal. Verse James, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's our, he's our champion. He is our champion. Remember that mighty hand of God that's going to exalt us? That same mighty hand is fulfilling his purposes. And I, I would like to extend you some faith. He's, he's fulfilling his purposes in you right now. And you're like, no, yes. Look. I am and you are who you are because of all the things that you've gone through. And I believe that God will go to any means to shape and mold you into the person that he has designed you to be. And some of those things are painful. Some of those things, I'm going to tell you, some of the most hurtful things that have happened to me in my life that I would never want to redo ever again. I don't like to think about them. But they've shaped me into me. If you prayed that God would remove everything from you, you would not become what he has designed you to be. I love this. And, and he told him this. Peter, the same guy who's writing this letter. The same guy who's cocky and arrogant because he's one of the three chosen ones. Right before Jesus was going to the cross, he tells him, hey, you're, you're going to deny me. He has this whole conversation with him. He said, and this is freaky because this has happened to us. We just don't hear the conversation. He says, hey, Peter, Satan has asked me because he has to. He has to get permission to mess with his kids. See that in Job also. Another, another day. He asked me to sift you like wheat. You know how they shift wheat? They, they throw it up in the air. It's, you know, getting these other pieces out so they can get the kernel. He asked you, sift you like wheat. <laughs> and Jesus didn't say, but I punched him in the face and he's down. You're good. He just said, but I prayed for you. <laughs> and listen to this. He said, and when you turn, strengthen your brothers. I think the most critical word in that whole thing is when. He didn't say if. He didn't say if it works out, if you turn. He said, when you turn, strengthen your brothers. But I'm telling you, I don't think Peter would have been the person that we see in the epistles without that moment. He was forced to a moment of clarity. And I guarantee you that he, he was crucified upside down. That's how he died. Because he didn't want to be crucified like his Savior. He didn't feel himself worthy of that. Peter, after this moment, I believe, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit when it came in Acts, he became who we see and we read right now. And this is the person that's writing this to the church who's struggling and suffering. Now, this is... Um, 
maybe a little frustrating part, verse 10. It says, and after you have suffered a little while. Do you know what a little while means? Neither do I. Could be your whole life. There's people that have literally, because of illnesses and other situations that were not in their control, have suffered their entire life. And he says, <clears throat> suffered a little while. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians four sixteen. It says, do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. <sighs> for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Your suffering for a little while is only worth it because of one, who we serve, and two, what he promises. And I know this life feels like eternity, and I know this life feels like it's all there is, but this is, a he literally says, it's a breath. <sighs> Goes and gone. Continue on in verse 10. It says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Himself. Himself. Do you, do you hear what he's saying? He's like, I. You know, right now, sitting beside the Father, right now, he's interceding. The same person that prayed for Peter, saying, hey, I prayed for you, when you get through this, is interceding to the Father for us. The eternal glory is the prize, and he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He himself. You know why? He'll do it himself, because he cares for you. You know how you'll make it through the challenges that God is going to present to you in the days, weeks, months, years ahead of you? Because you'll trust Jesus, that he'll keep his promises, that he himself will restore. He himself will strengthen. He himself will confirm, and he himself will establish you. And it finishes, just in case you needed to know this, in verse 11. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Because he has the power to do it. Look, I, I love reading and if you're doing the one-year Bible, I understand that we're in, you know, the Chronicles. Anybody else? Anybody else with me? With the, the names? Whew. Man. Um, press through. Press through. But I love reading in the Old Testament where you see his dominion. You see his power when he's like, look, if you'll, if you'll call me. Every time, I this is the best thing I love about, not, there's lots of things I love about the Old Testament. The best, one of the many things I love about the Old Testament is that you see his people fail over and over and over again. And you know what? Every time, regardless of how big their failure was, the moment they humble himself, he rescues and redeems. And you know what he tells to the next person who he rescued? Hey, if you know, hear, and obey me, it'll be like this forever. And you know what they did? They forget. And the next kid comes in and he does something wrong and God pulls it away. 
then he gives it back. The moment, and let me just tell you, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what's going on, but the moment you decide you're ready to humble yourself, he's there. And I don't mean, don't hear me, you may hear like, ha oh, I've humbled myself, he's going to restore everything to right now. No, but he will begin the process. He does have the power and dominion to do the things that he has said he was going to do. So how, what do we do? This is, I, I, my title, my thing is The Long Road. Look, just so we're clear on this, uh, when you surrender to Jesus, it's not a transaction that you do once, and you leave that transaction like you get a ticket to something or a license, and then I'm good. I put it in my back pocket, and I walk it around. When you surrender to Jesus, you just get on that path that we talked about at the beginning, and you head on a journey that you'll journey through the rest of your life. And so how do we make it to the end of that? And, and this is the hard part, and we talked about this a, a couple months ago when I was talking about humility. Um, God will either humble you or you can humble yourself. Those are your options. God humbling you is painful. Had it happen lots of times. But he'll also allow you to humble yourself. And so if you're going to make it, if you're going to be on this journey, you have to live in this place of humbling yourself. And this is not a one. Humility isn't something you enter into. Also get that ticket and you carry with you. And like, I'm good. Humility is something you have to walk out every single day because you'll not be humble for something. See it every day in my life. Every day. I had to repent to one of my children because I was frustrated about going to Walmart at 930 at night because I'm tired. I get up early in the morning. I like to go to bed at a reasonable time. And Walmart at 930 is not something I want to do. And when we go there to Walmart, I want it done. Like I want to get in there. I want to get the stuff and I want to leave. I don't want to just wander around. This isn't the time to look for stuff. This is the time to be on purpose. And I was, I was not nice. I mean, I wasn't horrible. Like you wouldn't have walked by and be like, Pastor just lost it in Walmart. But I was not, I wasn't throwing things, but like in here. And I was not nice to my 20 year old. And super convicted by it. And my, uh, my second Holy Spirit, her name's Jody, um, also confirmed that conviction. And, you know, I felt horrible because this is something I'm active, actively working on. Actively. The last year of my life, I've, I've been intentional trying to be a nicer person to those who I love and say I love. And it's difficult. And if you don't agree with me, like something's wrong with you, it is difficult. And not because they're bad people, it's because I'm there and I'm not humble. And, and so the next morning, um, when she finally woke up, uh, I called her coming down the stairs and, she, you know, morning is usually not her great time to have great conversations. Um, she's very purposeful in the morning. She wants to do what she wants to do, get it done. Um, and so I stopped her in the stairs. I didn't even let her get all the way downstairs and I just apologized. Because that's not what I want her to see. I don't want her to get to the end and be like, my dad, I'm an inconvenience to my father. And that's my biggest fear when it comes to my children. Is they're going to feel like I have, I'm an inconvenience to them. And that's not my heart. That's not my intention. But we're going to have to live in that humility. And that means going to apologize to a 20-year-old. 
That means apologizing to your two-year-old or four-year-old or, you know, mother or whoever to your boss. It means walking out that humility because the Holy Spirit hit something in me and I can choose to ignore it. And I'm going to tell you, and you've learned this, the more you ignore it, the easier it is to ignore it. Ignore it and the more damage that you're going to cause down the road. Go ahead and take it now. Take the little hit now. So how are we going to make it? We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to ask for help from God first. And then we're going to ask help from other people. 100%. Chris Vernon in my life has been that person to me. Like he here, he has heard it all in the last 10 years of our friendship. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I need help. One, you've got to realize that this struggle is not alone. And if you're suffering in it alone, stop. There's people in this church that would love to walk with you, love to journey with you, love to encourage you, love to just be there to hear and to share what God has already done in them through the same similar thing. Number three, you've got to remember to be clear-minded. Keep your eyes open. Be watchful. Most of the stuff that happens to us is because we're being sloppy. We're like, uh, I'm telling you, the worst time, which happened at 930, worst time for me is when I'm tired or hungry. <laughs> Don't ask dad for something when he's tired and hungry. But you've got to be clear-minded. You've got to be firm in your faith. And to that, you've got to know what faith is. You've got to know God. Next one is you've got to remind yourself... That he cares for you. And he has a mighty hand. <laughs> One that would love to build you up, but will also oppose you if you want to walk in pride. And I'm going to invite our worship team up, and I've got one last thing. And I think this is the key. I think this is the only one of the few things that's going to help you maintain to the end. You've got to have an eternal perspective. If you don't have your eyes set on the reality that this is not our forever home, that we're going to live in a place like Eden with God where there is no sin, there is no suffering, there is no pain that he will restore because he cares for us with, your strong, with his strong hand. He's going to do that. If you don't have that mindset that this isn't my now, you will fight and destroy others for a kingdom that you can't even keep. And I want to quote the song that we sang just a minute ago. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Just know him. And, and, and appreciate the messiness of this journey. And for those super Christians who want to belittle and diminish the things that God's doing in you in the little, just shake it off. Look, there's things in all of our lives, including mine, that God wants to fix. Just humble yourself. Um, as a reminder, uh, and this is the beauty, especially if you're ready now to say, hey, I need some help. Uh, at the end of service, uh, we have prayer in the back corner. It's partially in the back corner so we can hear you, not because we want to hide from people to pray, but we want to be able to hear you when you come up for prayer requests. There will be people during our last song that would love to, love to 
They literally, they want to pray for you. And I think there's some power in acknowledging there's some things in me that I need to fix. It could be just in a statement like this is, this is what I'm going to do. You can go back there. This is a great place for that. And the beauty is right now we're going to have two or three minutes of a song. And the reason why it's always there at the end of the service is because right now is when the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to do something in you so that he can do something through you afterwards. Because it, and there's nothing special about the doors that you exit, but when you exit these doors, it gets more difficult. It just does. So these are the moments that you go, God, I, I trust and believe that you care for me and that you have a strong arm that wants to rescue and redeem. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what we need. Lord, you, you knew what I needed this morning as we were singing and I just was able to just say this is what's going on. And Lord, the, the church needs this right now, here in this room. Life isn't going to be easy and we acknowledge that, but we also acknowledge that you have a strong arm to rescue and redeem. Or we also acknowledge that you care for us and things that are going on in our life are always for our good. Lord, Romans 8.28, all things happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And Lord, we love you. Lord, help us see our life through an eternal perspective. Not a this moment, this decade, this lifetime, but forever. Lord, we also acknowledge that you're worth sacrificing everything for. You are the hidden treasure. You are the priceless pearl. Let us be people willing to give it all away for you. Lord, we love you. Change us. Help us choose humility. And help us walk it out this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.